1: Welcome back. We have a tremendous interview with Dr. Melanie Shapiro. She's CEO and founder of CryptoLabs and working on The Case, which you can learn about at ChooseCase.com. Welcome to the podcast, Melanie.
2: Thank you. I'm glad to be here.
1: So how did you get started in all this crazy magic internet money stuff? Like what, <laughs> what led you into this new field?
2: So, I first learned about Bitcoin in 2011. I was doing a PhD and doing my data collection with Microsoft, and I had the opportunity to do interviews with some really bright people, and this concept called Bitcoin kept coming up. So I went off on my own and started doing some research on the side and just became really fascinated with this idea of how disruptive it could be. And, you know, at the time it was just this, you know, crazy idea that I thought, who knows where it might go, but the potential is huge. So I sat back and spent some time thinking about the idea that I wanted to somehow contribute to the community in some way. I wasn't sure how Um, But I knew at some point I would. And I spent a lot of time thinking, what are the two things or what are the multiple things that is preventing Bitcoin from going mainstream? And I identified security and ease of use as being the two big factors, two big variables I thought that were preventing it from getting in the hands of the mainstream user. And after that, realized that the first touch point. In Bitcoin, for a lot of people, is a wallet. So marrying those two and building uh, this wallet that is secure and easy to use, and, and not just for more technical people, but for you know the average user.
1: And so that's exactly what you're doing with Case, right? Like Case is a... A hardware wallet? Maybe you can explain it to us.
2: Yeah. So it's a hardware wallet that's about the size of a credit card. Um, so it's the size of a credit card, except it's thicker. Um, it's about three credit card size um, thick. But it's if you remember PCMCIA cards, it's about that size. And it has GSM, so it works in over 100 countries. And it doesn't piggyback off of your phone in any way. It doesn't have to be plugged into your USB port of your computer. When I was first designing it, um, I realized that the pain point of getting people to use Bitcoin is actually kind of high. And so I didn't want the idea of this wallet to be another friction point. I wanted it to represent and mirror an image of what we already have embedded in our minds as payment, right? So a lot of people still think of credit cards when they think of payments in 2015. So it was important to me that the size of the device and the form factor represented that. um, And that wasn't going to be another pain point for someone to get through.
1: So what would be a use case? You said over a hundred countries. Uh One of the major disruptive forces, I think, with Bitcoin is the billions of people that are unbanked. Yeah. Uh, they're going to be able to skip entire generations uh of technology, just like they went from nothing to cell phones. You know, they skipped the landline. Are we going to see a similar type of thing with their access to financial technology? And is that kind of what you have in mind with the case?
2: That's absolutely what I have in mind, actually. And I always talked about these like billions of people that are unbanked, right? Um, and something that many of these people have is cell phones, and they might actually think there are more people with cell phones than toilets. So that gives you an idea of you know the lifestyle that these people have, and you know you can empower people by giving them access to financial services. You know, being able to save something, right? Not just you know, keeping their money and spending it or putting it under their bed or however they're managing their finances, but empowering them with the ability to bank across the world. And I think that's what Bitcoin represents. And I think that if you can somehow use Bitcoin as that tool and the cell phone as the mode, it's so powerful for those people. And I think we have a responsibility to those people in those parts of the world to build technology that's really going to help them.
1: So is this going to be working in conjunction with a cell phone or completely separate from it? Like, How is it going to work in like the day-to-day life of some of these people?
2: So definitely our first market is the United States because, of course, the cost of the device, it's not incredibly cheap. It's in hundreds of dollars. So it's going to be about $200 at first. That's simply just outside of the price range a lot of people in these countries. And as version 1 that's where we stand right now but the future is being able to build technology that you can then cut the cost in half or three quarters and be able to distribute to people in those areas of the world or get the technology you know basically sandboxed into a pre-existing device like a cheap cell phone that they may have in their possession already i think that's really the the powerful piece here when it comes to hardware in those markets
1: So one of the things that I like with Armory is that we're able to run the software on any hardware. Right. You know, the potential attack vector from the hardware being compromised just isn't there. Uh, Maybe you can talk a little bit to that. Like, is that a potential risk with case?
2: Right. So something that's important to us and when we designed this device was that we wanted it to be for the mainstream user. So... The way I may, you know, hold Bitcoin, the way you hold Bitcoin, and use hardware may be different from the way that my mother will use Bitcoin. So I wanted to design something that was kind of your all-in-one wallet. It was pre-packaged; you didn't have to run your own software or anything. That being said, um, I think the fact that, you know, for those of you that don't know much about the device, um, it's it's a multi-sig. Wallet. So one of the keys is actually generated. We don't generate it and embed it into the device. It's actually generated upon initialization of the device. So one of the private keys is stored there. Another is stored in a server and the other is stored in offline cold storage. So if you ever lose this device, you're also protected because you can have access to your Bitcoin from those other two keys. So that's important to us. And then also, you know, you don't have enough with any one of those keys to have ownership of the Bitcoin. So the multi-sig piece here is really important.
1: When we're looking at the multi-sig, are users able to specify the cold storage keys, for example, or the ones on the servers? Are they able to make sure that they have complete control over the generation and the storage of those keys?
2: So that's actually something that we're continually looking at and how we can make that a seamless system because we don't want to Again, this is more for the mainstream user. We want to offer the security that a more technical person would want, um, but we do want to make sure that we never compromise the ease of use of our device. So right now, the way it looks is that The server, it's our servers and they have the other private key. The cold storage key is not managed by us. It's managed by a third party just so that we don't ever have control over more than one of your keys. That being said, I think there's some really interesting opportunities to tap into other servers and let you control that key or let you control your third party cold storage key. The only risk there for the mainstream user is that if you lose that key, there's nothing I can do for you if you lose your device. So in the system we've designed, I'm trying to protect against that.
1: Well, that's definitely part of the uh, risk of handling the fire of your own private keys. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <it's> like sometimes <laughs> you just burn yourself. Right. And we, and we, I know our support desk at Armory gets people all the time that are sending in, oh, can you help us get get yeah. our keys back? No, 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 we can't. Not at all. (laughs) And that's
2: that's definitely what we're trying to – I mean, my whole goal was the mainstream adoption. I'm very passionate about that. And so – you shouldn't have to trust yourself if you don't want to. The idea of being your own bank comes with so much weight. I mean, you are responsible for all those keys. And again, if you lose them, there's nothing I could do for you. And I think there's a lot of people that aren't comfortable with that. I've spoken to a lot of people who do not yet use Bitcoin and and spend a lot of time wondering why. Well, why not? Why don't you use Bitcoin? And um, some of the, the themes that come up in those conversations is that, well, I just, I don't, I don't want to have to have all this control. I don't trust myself. So this idea of trust, you know, is, is obviously big in our industry, but people forget. Sometimes you don't even trust yourself.
1: One of the things I think that is kind of problematic is, you know, if everybody's using the same software or if everybody's using the same hardware, then if that particular implementation gets compromised, you're able to compromise a lot larger mm-hmm. number of people. And one of the things I like, and I actually mentioned this when I was interviewing Eric Lombroso from who created Msigna, which is you know very much a competitor to armory, is that we can actually use multiple different implementations to increase our overall security profile because then we're not dependent on a particular software or hardware vendor. we're not using just the same software. so if there were a vulnerability in that, it would be problematic. Do you see case being able to be implemented into people's security profiles, yes. uh, so that so that it's you know it's just another tool in the tool belt, you could say, so that that it's going to be less likely that they'll have a catastrophic event because there's a compromise with one particular implementation that they might have.
2: Yes, absolutely, and I think you know this is our you know, version one that we're rolling out the door right now. And part of this is almost a beta test, right? To figure out what is it now that it's in your hands, because theoretically I can have all these ideas of what consumers might want. I can talk to you and try to understand what it is that you want, but people need to have it in their hands and really start using the technology. And, you know, proving out use cases, and then we can figure out what that looks like. Right. So rolling it out the door, building the technology, and then figuring out what is the ultimate solution look like. Um, and so for right now, for what we had designed at the very beginning, um, this is that version of it. Um, and hopefully it's an iterative process. Um, just basically continuing to listen to people and building what it is people want.
1: Yeah, if there even is an ultimate solution. I mean, I kind of think everybody's got their own use cases, their own risk assessment, and how much they're willing to spend on security in terms of time and money and effort and all this. And the more tools that we have in the toolkit, like the better. Heck yeah. So with Case, you know, I think a lot of these unbanked people, they're going to have their cell phone wallet. Mm -hmm. How is Case going to be? additive to their security is is case going to be what they might consider their cold storage wallet how do you kind of envision people using it
2: so i think the use case is different in different parts of the world but right now i think in the u.s it's going to be the, the marriage of the two ease of use and security i think is the important piece here so it's got you know a robust security system but also it's easy to spend with you can Carried around with you, throw it into your pocket. Um, so I think that you know, covering both of those bases in the U.S. I think it's going to be your spending wallet and your storage wallet. In third world countries, I'm a little hesitant to say that it will be only their phones that are used to store and transact in Bitcoin, because I think that that adds so much. I mean, you carry a cell phone with you to do to go to the grocery store down the street. It could get stolen. Things could happen to it. You don't want to keep all of your valuable data on this cell phone, right? Um, so I think for us specifically, getting the price down on this thing significantly or even building a separate version that might not have as many features hardware-wise so that it is more you know, affordable for people in those countries. That's kind of my ultimate vision from a social impact side.
1: Yeah, because, I mean, in some of these countries – They just get hammered with fees. I mean, their fees can be more for their bank account than their cell phone when you're looking at annual fees. So, I mean, they might be paying $100 a year just in fees. When If that can buy a case, which can be their equivalent of their cold storage.
2: Yeah. Man,
1: now they've got a solution there.
2: And you learn to protect it, too. So, if this is that thing that represents the storage of all your valuables, you learn to protect that thing. I mean, I protect my cell phone right? But at the end of the day, I mean, sure, if I lose my cell phone, it it sucks, but I can get another one. I can, you know, close out all my data. I can close out all my accounts. If it happens, it would suck. But I think that there's worse things to lose. And if that's losing your Bitcoin or losing control of your Bitcoin because you've just lost a cell phone, that seems very limiting.
1: So is it easy for users to back up the data that they have on their case?
2: So what happens if you lose your case is that we send you, so you can set limits as well, like what you can buy, sell, spend from your device. There's a companion app that just does all that for you. So you can set that. You can also... Um,
1: companion app for the cell phone or the like the iPhone or the Android? Yeah,
2: we're just going to build an app that just gives you you know, more functionality. Like you can go through and you know, set limits, you can shut the device down from your cell phone, all of that kind of functionality. It's not that you're actually going to spend from the companion app. But the point is that if you lose your device, and you've put in information, the information layer is what protects your third party cold storage key. Um, so to get access to that data, we actually send you a fingerprint scanner. We have like a little test device so that we can still compare your fingerprint against what we have for you. And this way we're still getting the inherent Vector and that gives you control back of your Bitcoin.
1: You mentioned that it has uh, GSM built right into it. Are you going to be shipping like additional kind of security features with it, like perhaps a, a little Faraday cage or something that's waterproof? Uh, just to help keep it protected from things damaging it or perhaps otherwise uh, interfering with it through different emissions or something?
2: So, one of the reasons after we did our first small batch, we had to send it off for certification. And so they do tests like how long can it be submerged in water and, you know, what does it emit and all of those different things. So, if you put your case in a huge thing of water, It will definitely have an impact on the functionality of your device. Um, So we're not shipping any sort of specific case for the case. (laughs) (laughs) But I think that um, in the future, we are looking at different materials um, for the case itself. So right now, we're, we're going back and forth now, whether or not we want it to be metal or this plastic material that it's currently in. We've had a lot of interest from people who want it to be metal for some reason. So we're we're debating. But luckily, once we go to manufacturing, it's kind of the last step. We have it designed really what material it is. is, is kind of whatever we, we choose last minute.
1: Yeah, because I know that there's some particular bags you can buy on Amazon that seal and protect against water. So that might yeah. be good if you were to put it in a safe, for example, or yeah, uh, even a Faraday cage. You can get these little bags that you can stick your cell phone in yeah. that will stop all emissions.
2: Uh, yeah. And so yeah. that might
1: be helpful just to keep any unwanted (laughs) intrusion from happening. Yeah.
2: So one of the cool things about the device, too, is that we only ever initiate communication out of the device. We never invite communication into. Um, So that was something that we designed in our system for that reason, so that we offer a little bit more protection in that sense. Oh,
1: so it's only outbound Mm -hmm. uh, traffic, no inbound traffic of any kind. Oh, wow. That's definitely going to be very helpful at just completely closing the attack surface. Exactly.
2: Yeah. So we've spent a lot of time, we have a penetration model that we've come up with and figuring out like where were all the holes that we could potentially give people access and we're doing two security audits. So obviously that's to prove the robustness of, of what we've designed.
1: You know, it's kind of rare for me to uh, interview women on the podcast. (laughs) I don't, Don't know why that is. Maybe they just don't like our nerdy internet money. Uh, Why do you think that might be? What do you think might need to change in the Bitcoin culture uh, to invite more women so that they're not quite in the minority? I think that even with some of the studies that are done, that they're very much in the minority. So like, any kind of suggestions on that?
2: Well, I mean, I think this is something that we see not just in our community, but in the greater tech sector, right? So I think it could be slightly intimidating being the only female or one of a few, especially when you go to these conferences. But I kind of just take that as the nature of the ecosystem right now. You got to have tough skin, that's for sure, as a woman. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Yeah, some of these uh, basement trolls don't really know how to deal with women very well, do they?
2: (laughs) Uh, I mean... Listen. uh at the end of the day i think that i would be more than happy to hire women i have not found too many that want to partake but those that do kudos and i we're definitely looking for more and i would love to hire female engineers that would be freaking awesome but yeah i think it's just a matter of time the community has to grow a little bit people have to feel more comfortable and but that's just going to come as the community grows i think
1: you know, kind of tied in along with that, you know, what's kind of the craziest story looking back at your time in Bitcoin? Like, oh, what, no. what's the craziest story that you could come up with, like war story from being in the space?
2: <laughs> so I'll go one above the craziest story because I won't share that on, on your very PC podcast. But um, oh, I have had many people email me on the contact page on our website asking for dates things like that <laughs> so that's always very funny and i'm always very flattered <laughs> i'm married <laughs>
1: that's a good response hopefully to get them to go away right uh, <laughs>
2: it's kind oh of
1: unbelievable goodness. like <laughs> that. your that's your customer support <laughs> <laughs> i wonder if there'd be some type of application with like a a Bitcoin dating app, or some oh, way to like merge go. it with the wallet, right?
2: There like, you go. <laughs> Except it be heavily swung in one direction, right? <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> Didn't one of the dating apps recently like integrate Uber into it?
2: Oh yeah. Like, like
1: we very well might kind of see this happen, where like
2: was that Tinder? Oh, Is I'm,
1: that what it's called? I don't remember like which which app it was, but like it effectively like let you know, be able to, like, pay for the right home or something like that. Um, Oh. Yeah, I mean, I I think we could kind of see, you know, wallets and e-commerce, like, merge very much into a lot of the aspects of everybody's lives, like.
2: Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Well, that's what I think is going to be huge and the potential of the blockchain is is fascinating right we have no idea how it's going to be used we just we know that it's going to have serve some purpose and and hopefully it's it's going to have some impact socially on the world um but i think it will be built under it will be what's other things are built upon and we just can't even imagine what those things are
1: yeah we don't we just don't necessarily know what the applications are gonna be you can't
2: even like i can't fathom it it would be like in the early days of the internet trying to figure out you know uber the heck
1: yeah well and uber ties in other technologies like the gps system and everything i mean yeah we just didn't really have any idea that like uber would be a potential solution to these problems and yet now it's like a 40 billion dollar valuation or something absurd like that
2: yeah absolutely so i think it's just you know the space is made up of some brilliant people we're so lucky i think that we have some of the brightest people in the world working on bitcoin technology right now and that's awesome because that's our future right We're all building right now. We are shaping the future of the ecosystem, and I'm really excited to see what some of these amazingly talented people can come up with.
1: Well, I know that we're glad to have you involved in in doing that. Uh, Well, thank you. I'm I'm tinkering, (laughs) building stuff, making it work, breaking stuff.
2: Hardware is cool. I mean, it's definitely an interesting, it's my, uh, you know, a lot of learning is involved here and I'm very intimately involved with the whole process. So even as far as being on the manufacturing floor and wearing the hats and things like that. So it's uh, it's definitely a neat experience and I'm happy to be doing it in the Bitcoin space.
1: Well, that, that's been great. Thanks so much for being on the podcast. Thanks uh, for having me. Yeah, we've had Dr. Melanie Shapiro, CEO and founder of Crypto Labs maker of the case that you can find at choosecase.com. Thanks so much for being here and uh, building stuff and giving an example to a lot of the women out there that technology and money and finance, they're not realms that exclude them.
2: Absolutely. Well, I'm happy to be here. Thank you.
0: to get a copy of the free Bitcoin guide at freebitcoinguide.com. Got a question or suggestion? Record your voice at bitcoin.kn. Don't be shy. To help the show share bitcoin.kn with friends, post about it on Reddit and otherwise spam the interwebs. iTunes comments and five-star reviews are very important to us. Please continue tuning in to the Bitcoin Knowledge Podcast, where we release interviews with the top people in the Bitcoin world. Now take some choline and let that Bitcoin knowledge consolidate.